Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers. I'm now. not falling for this again. Agnes or Angus? Last time you guys played ACDC, I perfectly hit the post. There's yeah. just one problem. What was it? There was no post <laughs> because there were no lyrics. <laughs> so, see, Paulie, you're offended by that as well. Yes! I Listen, art is art. And music doesn't necessarily have to be art unless you have lyrics, in my opinion. So, Ron Wolfley started this show much like the Suns started last night's Game 3. What do you mean? Thinking without Luke, it's Paulie Pinch Hitter filling in, that you just run roughshod all over me. <laughs> That's already happened, Paul. Not even close. Just like last night, this is a three-point game as down the stretch we come in the final quarter. You haven't looked at Twitter, obviously. <laughs> you thought you were going to dominate. But that has not happened because I have stood up and I have been accounted. Thank you, ACDC. All right, Paulie, what exactly are we talking about right now? Here Actually, to be honest, I've had to pull my own Devin Booker today just to save this show from certain defeat, which yes. is what D-Book did last night when well, he went again, for... see the Twitter reference, Paul. Uh, go ahead, just go ahead and stifle yourself for one moment because this is going to take a moment. 45 points on 18 to 29, 7 rebounds. Three steals, two blocks. How many turnovers? Zero point zero <laughs> in forty-four minutes. This is after a game two thirty-eight point performance. And I, I just love the comment that D Book made after the game. He, he hit zoom out. He didn't just talk about the game. He talked about his life, man, and what the game has meant to his existence. I love it. You know, this is this is my life. I dedicate, you know, my whole entire life, and I have since a kid to to this sport and this game. So, you know, when you have it go, going like that, you know, on the big stage, you know, there's nothing else you can ask for. Oh man, that gets me fired up. It really man, does, does that resonate? Right there, right? He's playing for something else, Paul. Yep. Than just money. When he sits there and says, it's my life, okay? This is what every team uh, looks mean, for in the draft. The uh, player exactly who right. loves yes. big games, yes. that it's not a job. Yes. It's in your DNA. Paul, that is that is well stated by you. As a matter of fact, you can go home now because you finally said something that resonates. Sierra Nevada time? That's exactly right. I, it is. There are people that are out there playing, and you can see it. This is why I say if you watch a football player, if you watch him from snap to whistle every play you can by the end of that game you can discern certain information about him his characteristics how he is his personality you can almost assume exactly the kind of person he is based on how he plays the game it's it's the same thing with Devin Booker and many many basketball players and listening to book actually cite it in that comment you just played Paulie to me it fills me with this this joy that there's somebody out there, and yeah, he wants to be paid. Make no mistake about that. He wants to be paid. But this is a man who loves 
what he does and loves the grind and loves the process. Those are the players you're looking for. And I don't care what sport you're talking about. Baseball, basketball, football, hockey, golf, whatever it may be. That's what you're looking for. Somebody who loves the game and the essence of the game. Because when they're actually playing, they're not going to be thinking about the money. They're going to be thinking, this is my life in that right book. And someone who had to sit on his playoff performance last year, game six and seven in the flame out against Dallas. Someone who had to live with that the entire yeah. offseason. Yeah. And let's face it, the regular season was meaningless for the Suns this year in so many ways. So he had to sit through an eight-month regular season. So the time is now. So when Monty talks about D-Book being more aggressive, guess what? It makes sense. There's cause and effect because he's had to live with how last year's postseason ended and maybe that's why he's got off to this sort of start. I think that's where he is plus Kevin and when we get stops and get out and run, that's the other place where he's been really dynamic. Once you show him a, a crack or an alley, he's going to take it. And the other part about Book is he, he, he will pass the ball and make the right play. Um, I don't know how, how if they counted it tonight or if we did, but the hockey assist for him was probably high tonight because he was hitting the pocket and then we were finding guys on the backside. Um, but I... I'm not quite sure I'd call it aggression. I just think he's making the right plays, and whatever the defense gives him, he he takes advantage of. I think there's two dynamics at work here. Number one, I think you hear the narrative. The question being thrown out on all the talking head TV shows, who's the best player in the Suns Clippers series, KD or Kawhi? He's like, I've got your best player right here, bro. Okay, watch this. And number two, it was the question that I asked. You would say, hold my Sierra Nevada, right, Paul? The the question that I asked John Bloom early in the show when we had to bring John Bloom in out of the bullpen in segment two because you were struggling out of the gate (laughs) with this No Focus Friday show. And I asked John Bloom if whether game six and seven was still a motivating factor, still a catalyst from the end of last year. And Bloomer cut me off and said, absolutely. I mean, these are broadcasters who are around the players all the time. They know. They know what drives these guys. Yeah. And to your point, when you watch Book play right now, certainly doesn't look like a guy who's fat and happy and comfy on a Supermax contract. Yeah. It's it, just the opposite. It is, Paulie. There's no doubt about it. And again, um, of all the numbers you could throw out, Basin only think about this. He shot 66% from the floor. And he took 27 shots. Paul, I mean, that, that, that says so much about his scoring efficiency on his way to scoring 45 points. But that wasn't even the most impressive thing. You, you score 40, 45 points, ladies and gentlemen, you've got the ball in your hands a lot. You've got it in there a lot. This guy did not turn the ball over once. 45 points. Shoot 66% from the floor and zero turnovers. And when you think about the production, the rebounds, the assists, the steals, it's never been done before. According to Stathead, it's never been done before in the NBA playoffs. What Devin Booker did last night. Paul, that alone, you, you put it into context, that says so much about Devin Booker and who he is. Legendary in so many different ways. And honestly, if this continues, Larry Fitzgerald's 2008 playoff run, move over. 
the big unit and Kurt Schilling 2001, that postseason, D-backs to the World Series, yeah. guess what? You're going to have company on that Mount Rushmore of Arizona postseason performances. I like it. If this continues. It's really that simple. And we'll see. We're going to find out right away because they got a 12-30 game tomorrow here on the Suns flagship. By the way, score the hottest ticket in town, those Suns playoff tickets. Just text TICKET to 620-620. Register and listen for your name Monday and Tuesday during the 7 a.m., 12 p.m., and 5 p.m. hours for your chance to qualify for tickets to Game 5 to see the Suns take on the Clippers once again. Text TICKET to 620-620. Kellen Olsen's biggest takeaways from the Suns Game 3 win. Oh, we're going live to L.A. for our Suns guru. That is next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I can see you out there, Kevin. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. So I saw this quote recently by the CEO of Google, Ron Wolfley. I've been reading your business news. Yeah, Paul. He said that AI will impact, this is a quote now, will impact every product in every country sooner than later. Scary ball. Would you consider KO the AI of basketball? <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's great. How's that an intro? AI, that's good, Paul. Is that good with you, Kellen? Because I know you were able to see the game last night. Why? Because, oh, wait for it, you're actually in L.A. where those of us who are subjected to the Bally Sports blackout had to watch the game this morning on tape delay. Kellen, how you doing? <laughs> doing great. Sound, sounds like I'm less frustrated than you are right now. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's We've been talking we, about yeah. it all morning. We bring you on. Well, really, it's Wolfley. I'm just channeling frustration with having to work with Wolf, so I cannot wait to hand it off to you, and you tell us maybe your two or three biggest takeaways from last night. Yeah, number one, Devin Booker. Uh, I don't know if that was the best game I've ever seen him play, but I think that he's in the best form that I've ever seen him in right now. There's just this new level of play that he's reaching and just the amount of energy and the motor and the gas tank that he has right now is crazy. He, the story that I had in ArizonaSports.com last night is that over these three games, he sat for a total of 11 minutes and 21 seconds. He averaged 35 minutes a game in the regular season. He was used to getting 13 minutes of rest a game. So it, this is just crazy, the, the, the level that he has unlocked to his energy, his cardio, whatever it is. And for him to be able to do that and play at the level that he is right now is just Absurd, and, and my other takeaway kind of has to do directly with him and just how much he had to do again last night to not necessarily save them like game two, but just keep them in this game throughout. I thought that in the first four or five minutes of the game, it reminded me of the back-to-back 40-burgers he had in the 2021 NBA Finals where he was looking around, seeing how much help he was going to get that night offensively, and then once he got about five, six minutes into the game last night, he was like, all right, I'll do it again. That's fine, and that's what he did, and it's just incredibly impressive how – seasoned he seemed like if you watched him play and you didn't know his age or what what his deal was you would assume this is a guy with like a dozen years of playoff experience and it's only his third postseason but he just looks completely in his element right now so killer you know i got command and control all in my ear right now talking about he is this the best playoff game he's ever played ask him ask him the question well that's because that's is, not true no it's just because wolf was wrong earlier kellen and he's ultra sensitive about it he's pointing fingers is what he's doing so killer, we're gonna we're gonna hold you down right now, killer. Is this the best playoff game he's ever played? It is not. I think that the forty point triple double in game one of the Western Conference Finals two years ago, Chris Paul gets COVID unexpectedly, and that was one of those situations where 
it was really Book and, and himself in terms of leading the team and giving them a win on their home floor. And he did it. He was miraculous in that game. In this game, while, while I mentioned last night that he didn't have a ton of help, he's still playing with Kevin Durant out there. He's still playing with Chris Paul out there. He's still playing with DeAndre Aiden out there. He had that guy two years ago as well. But that, that in his first postseason, the triple-double was just a little bit more impressive. But I think we're... We're really ranking like five different games that like feel all the same, or seven, or nine, or whatever he's at this point. His playoff resume already is pretty ridiculous. He had no turnovers. He handled the ball an awful lot. This guy had no turnovers. I, for me right now, just one of the most impressive games I've ever seen a professional athlete play. So the fact he is handling the ball more in CP3 is not is that out of necessity? Or is that just an adjustment that Monty has made? Do you expect that to continue through the rest of the postseason? I think it's both. I think it's an adjustment by necessity right now. I, I just don't think that Chris Paul has been particularly that good for them. I think that it'll it'll change over the course of the series. I think we're going to start to see the Chris Paul we're used to, at least from this season. That's the thing is that... I, with, with the career that he's had, this is the worst year of his career, but it's still, this would be the best year of a lot of careers in the NBA right now, the year that he had. But with that being said, like he hasn't even reached that form in this series yet. And if you look at the minute totals, Chris Paul has played 38, 39, and 41 minutes. In the NBA Finals two years ago, he wasn't even getting that high. Like His minutes per game weren't even that high in that series. So it shows that the necessity that they need Chris Paul still out there, but he's out there while Booker is really running the offense. And I think Booker's capability of doing it and just this, again, this form that he's found, this new, we talked about point book all the time, but I don't know what to call this. Like, this is just, this is just completely something else. And it's amazing to watch him on a night to night basis right now. But they're going to need Chris Paul and DeAndre to finish out this series. I think we're going to get caught in looking at maybe Kawhi being out again and Paul George being out and saying, like, okay, like, as long as they get going here. They, they need those guys to win the championships. Like, no, they need them right now to win this series still because it could very well be Clippers 3-0 if Devin Booker didn't pull out what he did in the last two games. Yeah, on that note right there, Killer, do you have a concern? And if so, what is it? I think my concern would be that Devin Booker can't do this every night. I think that would be my only concern right now because until he proves he's not capable of this every night, it, it won't be a concern, but... I would expect in one of these next two games that he's not going to be able to play at, at this level. I think he's still going to be amazing. But, again, these are arguably two of the best games that he's ever played in his entire career so far. He's going to need one of those big games from DeAndre and one of those big games from Chris Paul. I haven't even brought up his name yet. Torrey Craig has been incredible. The bench was really good last night, I thought. But still, they needed all of that from Booker on, on both ends, really. And I think that even if Chris and DeAndre don't get the scoring going, I think that defensively, Chris especially, I think, had his best defensive game in Game 2. I thought both of them struggled again last night. DeAndre was brutal on the interior. They, they need something going there. That 17-rebound game from DA, a couple of steals from, from Chris and getting the deflections up like he had him in game two, something like that from those two guys. All right, Suns guru Kellen Olsen here in Arizona Sports, the sports leader. I've already offered too many of my opinions on DeAndre Ayton bringing his preseason intensity to a postseason game. So I'll just ask the question straight. What do you think Monty Williams makes of DeAndre Ayton right now? And how sustainable is the Suns playoff run if they don't get more out of their big guy? Yeah, the, the last part is, is the most concerning part. I think that the Suns have always known that this is a possibility. I think something that we talked about a lot when he was going into restricted free agency was whichever team signs him, trades for him, whatever it is, they are going to have to know that they just don't know what DeAndre they're going to get. I mean, you look at last postseason against New Orleans, they don't win that series without him. It was the best offensive basketball he's ever played. And then the Dallas game, it was more, and the Dallas series, rather, it was more of a no-show. 
And you look at his 2021 run, he was absolutely magnificent. But now, this postseason, it's hard to believe that what he was capable of two postseasons ago when you compare it to right now. I think that Monty knows, and I think more importantly, his teammates know that they got to keep getting in the ball and getting him to try and get out of this funk. That's the best way normally for guys to get out of a funk is receiving the ball, seeing a couple go in, and hopefully that's the change of it. But I agree from an intensity and an effort perspective, it's just not there right now, and I don't know why, and that's the most concerning thing of all. If it's missing shots, the hook shot instead of a dunk, whatever, right? But the intensity, particularly defensively, just has been missing, and it's hard to figure out why. And that's why it's vexing, because that's the one thing you can control, your effort level. Your intensity. Okay, that's enough. Wolf? <laughs> I'm with you on that one, Bully, right there. But let me just ask you, um, the series, as it stands right now, how how long do you think it's going to be? I'm still sticking with five, Wolf. Uh, obviously, I've got the benefit here of Kawhi Leonard potentially missing the last two games of the series for that kind of prediction. But I think that what they've been able to accomplish right now, while they're still trying to incorporate Kevin Durant in the offense, while they're still figuring out the best way to use Kevin Durant in their offense, they're kind of just doing this all on the fly. We talked about eight games and eight no and all that stuff. I think eight no set the wrong kind of expectations for people when it came to how implemented and how ready Kevin Durant was within their system. Like they're at like a three, maybe a four out of ten in terms of the ceiling that they can reach with him and how they use him. And I think we're going to see that get better as the series in the postseason goes along. So the fact that they're up 2-1 already with that fact is, is pretty important because I think if everyone would have had to predict who is the best player in this series overall, I think most people would have said Kevin Durant, but he's been the third or fourth best so far, which is really shocking considering that he's arguably the best basketball player alive right now. Right. Yeah, real quick, is that a ticking time bomb? Is KD going to go off for a monster game real soon? Yeah, I'm guessing tomorrow, and if not, game five. Like, I'm just going to, I'm not going to doubt greatness. I've never done it before. I'm not going to. Now it's coming. I'm with you on that one. Killer, thank you so much, man, for coming on. We appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Kellen. Yep, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Okay, man. Kellen Olsen in LA. All that first person coverage right up there. And I mean, <laughs> son's guru. Yeah. Uh, you want to get smarter about basketball? Read his stuff. ArizonaSports.com. Right. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620 620 right now. Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Ford, they have spoken on the upcoming NFL draft. Which players do they covet? How many phone calls are they getting? In fact, Wolf, we're going to outsource it to Maloney. There's so much to listen to. She's going to handle it and run quarterback next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, Paulie Pigskin sitting in for Luke. Carrying this edition of Wolf and Luke on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports as I quickly transition so Wolf can't butt in. Do you hear the story that Scott Pioli told recently on NFL Network, former New England GM? How he, about it. he used to keep a framed photo on his desk of a certain player. Do you yeah. know the player? Scapioli? Scapioli. Yeah, I know. New England. Well. Yeah, and, and he used to keep a framed photo of a certain player on his desk. You would think Tom Brady, right? Um, You'd be wrong, Ron Wolfling. <laughs> Let me think about it, Paulie. You're not going to get it. He used okay. to keep a frame photo on his desk of two, oh, Clay, Clay Matthews. Fifth round tight end from the year 2000, Dave Stachelski. Oh, yeah. I As know. a reminder, because that was the player they took one round ahead 
of Tom Brady yes. in the 2000 draft. And that was a reminder to everyone in the front office who might get haughty that, guess what? You're not that smart. Right. When you took Dave Stokelski yeah. one round ahead of Tom Brady. I think it's actually pronounced a little differently, Paulie, than you butchered it right there. But it's okay. We still get the point. Yeah. And the point is Scott Pioli did that to remind himself yeah. that, hey, listen, don't get all wrapped up into yourself. And it's a good way to go. It doesn't surprise me. Scott Pioli, to me, as I know Scotty. And by the way, Mal, we should try to get him on, no doubt. This isn't a name drop moment, I, I'm just saying, Paulie, uh, Scott Pioli was there in Cleveland. When oh. I was- name drop. I, I did. I didn't. Maloney has sound to go I through never. the press conference today. Um, Monty and JG meeting the oh, media. Okay. So let's just go ahead and uh, right, please Paul. step in and take over at quarterback. So, um, Monty Austin Fort was asked what it would take to trade out of number three overall, and here's what he had to say. I think with any trade that comes up, there's got to be opportunity, right? So there's got to be, it takes two teams to make a trade, all right? That's the first thing. And, you know, I think that's something that we're going to really dive into next week is, you know, if, if the phone does ring and, and someone shows interest, then we're going to have to weigh that, right? It's a it's a give and take. Is, is, is there a player there that we, we want to take there? And there obviously is. There's only two players that are going to be drafted ahead of where we pick. And so we have to weigh that versus uh, if there is an offer and what exactly that offer is. So, you know, I think those talks will, will really start progressing next week, but it's, it's one that we're going to have to wait and see just what, what opportunities are or aren't there. And then he was also asked if a trade-out is more likely given the state of the roster. I don't think so, Darren. I think every situation is going to be evaluated as it comes up. You know, I think um, if the trade makes sense and it's the right decision for our team at the time, then we'll do it. And if the, the right move is to sit and pick a player who we've done a lot of work on um, through the process, then we'll be prepared to do that. So I wouldn't say that it's any more likely now as opposed to down the line. You have a lot of needs. It's a valid question. Yeah. You have eight picks right now. Would it be better just in general to have 10 picks or 12 picks? Would it be better to cash in number three and get an extra first-round pick next year? Yeah. Or really cash it in and get an extra first-round pick next year and the year after? These are all feasible scenarios for the Cardinals. And don't think that phone isn't ringing. We saw the Adam Schefter report recently that at least six teams have inquired with the Cardinals. Yes, that is like so yesterday because last night Jonathan Gannon told us in the Q&A with JG that this week alone they've had, quote, double-digit phone calls. That's a better question for Monty, but <laughs> double digits. There yeah, you go. Double-digit phone calls right now, and that is only going to go up, Ron Wolfley reporting. It's only going to go up. This is it right now. You just heard Monty talking about the fact that this next week coming up, they expect to get an awful lot of action on that. Guess what? Do you have it? Do you, do you really have what it takes to hold out Monty Austin Ford all the way till draft day? <laughs> Here we go. This is the question you've got to ask yourself right now. You do, and it's really a tough situation. You've got to love somebody. Is somebody going to be there at number three? Are you willing to hold on to the pick until draft day because you will get more you will get more on draft day than any other day because somebody if they're calling you they are desperate to get there and uh, it's a big game of chicken paul do the arizona cardinals and monty austin ford have what it takes to hang on to it if they're gonna trade that pick if they're gonna trade that pick 
Will they hang on till draft day? If they're sitting there at number three and Will Anderson is on the board and they consider him an elite pass rusher, it's so inviting to cash that in for multiple picks because you have multiple needs. You're looking at edge, you're looking at D-line, you're looking at corner, you're looking at offensive line, center, you're looking at wide receiver. These are all dire needs right here, right now. But it's almost as tough to find an elite pass rusher to get after the quarterback as it is to find that elite quarterback. So I'm more inclined, if Will Anderson is that guy, the next Von Miller, that you resist the temptation for extra picks and stick with Will Anderson. You know, Paulie, I'm okay with that, too. I'm okay if he You don't like Will Anderson, right? You don't want to talk about him? No, it's, you know, I love Will Anderson. If that's what they get at number three. I'm I'm fine with that. But I think that might be a moot point. We'll see. So, Monty Austinfort was also asked if they have talked with Will Anderson. We have talked to Will. We've talked to a lot of players. Um, you know, Will's a good player. He's been a good player for a long time at a, at a great program in Alabama. Um, you know, we've, we've evaluated Will just as we have a number of prospects in the draft. And ultimately what our job is, is to assign a value to, to what we feel about Will and every other prospect. So, you know, I'd like to get break you down specifically what I what I feel about every player, uh, guy by guy, but I you know I don't know that that would go over real well, right? Probably got to keep a few things secret. So that's right. Yeah, appreciate the question though. So well, I once mean, again, you're just gonna you're not ever gonna tell anyone what it is you're going to do, Mel. But you just said you know it may be a mute point because. Will Anderson may not be there. So Monty Austinfort was asked if they could still draft someone at three if the Texans take a non-quarterback at number two. No, I, I mean I, I, I think I don't. I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, what's going to happen at one or two? And I think that's a little bit why next week when we go through our um, our draft exercises, then those are the questions that we're going to have to ask ourselves. So no, I don't think anything that happens in front of us will dictate what we're going to do at three. Yeah, boy, that is a great use. For- Right there of the week leading up to the draft and this being your last press conference <laughs> where you don't have to comment on any of that. That is a big deal to me. Well played by the Arizona Cardinals. I'll just point out that a couple of days ago, Nolan Smith, the Georgia linebacker, edge rusher, visited yeah. with the Cardinals on a top 30 visit. I see, Polly. Hmm. Hmm. So if the Cardinals trade down to 7 or 11 or even beyond, maybe the edge rusher they end up with with is a Nolan Smith because Will Anderson, by the way, this week visited the Seahawks. So okay, if quarterbacks somehow go one, two, three, four, then Will Anderson could end up yeah, with the stinking Seahawks. <laughs> and by the way, CJ Stroud visited Atlanta. So let's say Houston does pass on CJ Stroud and he's there on the board at three. Does Atlanta come up with the Cardinals? And number three. That's going to be, oh, that's going to be interesting right there, Paul. Honestly, is there a possibility that Anthony Richardson, the kid from Florida, the quarterback from Florida, actually goes before C.J. Stroud? I don't know if you've been noticing this, but it seems like C.J. Stroud is starting to drop down some draft yep. boards. I don't know if you, have you noticed that too, Paulie? Yes, and it's not good for the Cardinals, I don't think. Yeah, no, I it agree with It's that. just not good for business yes. when C.J. Stroud, maybe these visits aren't going so well. There's also reports Will Levis um, has shown himself to have quite the ego 
in some of these visits <laughs> with teams that he loves himself some Will Levis. Okay. And he's all too eager to show off his guns. And Denied. The last quarterback, powerlifting quarterback that I can remember in the NFL was a disaster. It was Jim Druckenmiller for the 49ers some 20 years ago. He came into the NFL bench pressing like 450. Oh my goodness, I remember Druck. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, horrendous. So uh, that's not exactly a great precedent if you're Will Levis. Yeah, Polly. There's so much that is going to happen before now and the draft. I'm just, to me, I hope it comes down to a draft day trade for the Arizona Cardinals because that is the greatest pressure point you can possibly have. And it usually benefits those that are moving out. So Monty Austinfort was also asked if they would be happy with eight players in the draft or if they would like to trade for more picks. That really goes into opportunities, right? I, I'm not, um, you know, we have eight picks right now. Um, opportunities may or may not present themselves. And those opportunities could be to sit where we are and take those eight players. They could be to move back and they could be to move up. So, you know, I don't think I don't want to I don't have a magic number in my head that says we have to come away with this many players. Uh, I think it, ultimately it's coming away with the right players. That's what it's that's what it's going to come down to. Once again, if Will Anderson does go number two to Houston, yeah, and Houston does have a history of overthinking these things. Yes, last year, who they take at corner, the wrong corner, and Derek Stingley Jr. instead of Sauce Gardner. Yes, at three. So if they screw this up again, Bryce Young sitting there at number three, you got to figure is going to command. All, I'm sorry, CJ Stroud. Stroud sitting there at number or, three is going to command a lot of phone calls. Or Anthony Richardson yeah. as well. Anthony uh, Richardson to me is moving up boards right now. Whatever it is, if the Houston Texans take Will Anderson. I'm like, here we go. Sell the farm, baby. You know how we know we're ready for the draft? Maurice Jones drew NFL Network yesterday, put out a mock draft. He has Anthony Richardson going number one to Carolina. Hey, there was no letdown with Kawhi on the bench in game three. So what does it mean for game four? That is next. Calvisi in for Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Wolf and Luke talk Suns Clippers now. Well, my work here is almost done. Trying to do something about a haughty Ron Wolfley today. Paul, nobody knows what you're talking about. Channeling my best Dylan Brooks, poking the bear and keeping... I hold bears. Keeping Wolf accountable. I like the way you said that. Bears. I almost said that like that. What was that old skit? The bears, the bears, the bulls, the bears. Wow. Bears. Maloney I was, the bears. The old Saturday Night Live. That's even before you were born. And yeah, you were, boom, you were on point with that. That's well done. So, okay, once again, a lot to like here on this Ron Wolfley No Focus Friday. Yeah, but. We've persevered through that to point out that, you know what? <laughs> D-backs fans got what they wanted. No more Mad Bum. D-backs had to eat that contract. Yeah. Cardinals fans got what they wanted. New uniforms. And also in this 24-hour span, Suns fans got what they wanted in a Game 3 win to put them up two games to one. But, Ron Wolfley, there is one thing that is still sticking with me from this show. And it happens to be something that Kellen Olsen said within the last hour. And I'm quoting loosely. This series could be 3 nothing L.A. if it wasn't for Devin Booker pulling out some epic, legendary performances. Yes. So how sustainable is D-Book at 38 to 45 points a game? Flawless ball handling, ridiculous efficiency. Can he continue this? Because if he doesn't, 
Could the Suns yeah. somehow be in trouble? No, I don't think they will be in trouble. That's a great thing about it, Paulie. Um, do I think this is sustainable? Of course not. Can't go out there and play the way Devin Booker is playing and do it 44, 45 minutes every playoff game. I No, I'm sorry. I, I don't think it's sustainable. I really don't. At some point in time, um, you're going to wear down. But here's the great news, Basin on Eats. They also have Kevin Durant. <laughs> At some point in time, I fully expect this to be Kevin Durant going off for the Phoenix Suns. I think you've got to pick your poison when you play the Suns, and I think every player that plays against the Phoenix Suns knows that you're in a conundrum. You've got to pick your poison, and at some point in time, I think KD is going to rear his head because of that truth. So once again, if you're Ty Lue, what do you do about Devin Booker in Game 4? I think just the biggest thing, we try to blitz him, we try to fire it, but his speed and his shiftiness you know, gave us a lot of problems. Um, he was able to reject the fires. He was able to reject the blitzes. He was able to split the blitzes. And, um, you know, you give a, you know, early in the game, we got a layup and a three, you know, on, off our turnovers to kind of get him going. And when you got a great player like that, you know, it's hard to, you know, kind of keep him under control when he gets some easy ones to start the game, you know. So we got to be better with that. But like I said, he had it going. We tried everything. And um, he was able to beat us, um, like I said, versus our blitzes, versus our fires, you know, versus our double team. And he was able to split us and dribble around us a lot as well. So we just got to lock into that, understanding, you know, what we try to, we got to do better. Um, but, you know, he was really good again tonight. Yeah, it's just the variety of buckets inside, outside, long range, bullying his way to the basket, you know, physical drives taken on defenders and finishing. That was that ridiculous corner three in the third quarter. Oh, my goodness. Where he oh, almost I'm did so like glad a, you brought that up. He did like that David Johnson <laughs> ski jump and he just sort of propelled himself into the corner and then simultaneously a jump shot falling away at a ridiculous angle? Paul, it was a fallaway corner three. It was like a jump cut. I, I, leading to a three. That shot was absolutely incredible. But again, it's what we expect from Devin Booker at this point in time. The guy is a bona fide superstar. And the great news for Phoenix Suns fans is the fact they have two, absolute two bona fide superstars in the prime of their careers right now in regard to Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Yes, if you're going to continue to focus on Kevin Durant to the degree in which the Clippers have, of course, Devin Booker's going to get that opportunity to go off. KD on the floor with Book gives him that space immediately. And at some point in time, that focus is going to shift. You're not just going to let D Book go out there and do what he's been doing. Not going to do it. You're going to you're going to shift that focus, and then I think KD is going to go off. Well, That's the conundrum of the your, Phoenix Suns. To your point, Book, after the game, asked about KD, said, and I quote, it's easier for us to get open when we're both on the floor. Yes. Just simply put, yeah. it's just a fact. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, it's absolutely right. a fact. It makes a lot of sense, right, Paulie? And to your Even point. to a guy from Cal Berkeley. <laughs> the Suns have both of their superstars. How many superstars do the Clippers? Oh, they're missing both of theirs right now. No, Paul. Yet the Suns still didn't take a step back last night. D-Book was asked about that. Yeah, you know, those are those trick games that happens always throughout the year where you think somebody's missing one of their top players and, you know, you try to you let off the gas a little bit and they take advantage of it. And, and give credit to those guys. They, they played their asses off tonight, and, you know, but, you know, I think the whole team was prepared for that and figured they would. So, you know, we, we didn't take a step back. 
That's what I love. I love the honesty of what Book is saying because he's nailing it. He's right on it right here. You know, a lot of teams um, are going to come out and play their butts off. They're going to do that when they're missing their best players. And you look at the Clippers with Paul George out and with Kawhi Leonard out. You look at those two. Of course, now all of a sudden that put the Clippers on edge big time. You knew. The Phoenix Suns knew this. And I'll bet you they were talking about this. Get ready. Prepare your mind right now because they're going to come out and they're going to start poking and prodding us. They're going to come out and they're going to be desperate because there are there are realities involved here that they don't have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Wouldn't you be desperate? Yes, you would. The Suns, they were prepared. They were professional. They withstood the storm and... They won the game, and they had to win that game. There was a lot of pressure on them because they had to, and they did. Don't ask me. Ask Russell Westbrook about playing hard. The culture, the guys, the uh, things that are implemented, the rules, how we play the game, it's important. So next man up mentality is big you know, for our group. And um, tonight was tonight guys played well. Uh, just unfortunately didn't uh, come out with the win. Again, Suns in five. That's my mantra. You gotta take care of the Clippers now. You gotta buy some rest when you're relying on D Book and Kevin Durant to such a large degree and Chris Paul. The biggest threat to the Suns, once again, it's not the rest of the Western Conference. It's the fact they might get worn down. So you gotta get out of this series and get some rest before the next series, because I think this is the formula where you're gonna advance series to series. The one thing we do know right now, you've got three you've got You've got three games, a sample size to look at. It's going to be competitive, no matter how many no, more games. You know what it's going to be right now? Sierra Nevada oh, time, Wolf. No. Do, da, Stay frosty, Arizona. Elvis has just left the building. Just remember, win or lose? <laughs> we still lose. Okay, Polly, thank you very much for filling in for Luke. We appreciate it. Can we just listen? <laughs> the memory remains, does it not? Peace and strength. Peace and strength.